Welcome to Watch Me Pod, everybody. Um, it is the salad bar for punk, emo, and hardcore. If you're just joining us, I'm Jim. I'm Hugo. We decided to do this uh, project for this year because we have a lot of these conversations anyway. And our goal with this podcast is to dive deep on stuff that maybe hasn't had what we view as a sufficient deep dive and just stuff that we would be talking about anyway and um, we want to bring you bring you into our corner um, hopefully spice up your life in terms of uh, the music you listen to again on the punk emo hardcore continuum right we're kind of doing stuff all along that spectrum today we are talking about emo everybody's favorite subject uh, specifically talking about the kind of four and a half wave of emo we'll call it emo 4.5 that happened um roughly from 2016 to, to 2020 uh yeah this is gonna be a fun one because we've just been doing hardcore shit yeah anyway. we've been we've been on a big hardcore streak um most of most of the episodes that we've done have been pretty hardcore centric if not hardcore altogether um i'm personally really excited to to, to dive into some emo stuff uh to get started to sort of kick things off um i think that we should sort of establish a a glossary a lexicon for for the way we're talking about it we are talking about emo in a relatively uh inclusive and sort of descriptivist way right so we're we're talking about um music that is broadly considered emo that is to say we're not operating exclusively in the pigeonhole of stuff that's of or directly descended from dc emotional hardcore i know that people like to get pedantic about that and so i want to sort of get that out of the way um i think first order of business of this conversation is sort of establishing a baseline of where we are with respect to emo personally and sort of where emo started for us how we got into it um hugo i'll kick it over to you yeah, and I think this will partially illuminate how I view emo. I am a third wave kid. As I've talked about, I grew up on Fuse um, and that, and on TV and that sort of stuff. And it was the kind of music you could hear on the radio for Chicago people, Q101, 101.9, The Mix. And something like Motion City Soundtrack, like the first band I loved, was within arm's distance for me. Like I could actually listen to it and tangibly be like, oh, this is, it just appealed to me very quickly. And that was the kind of stuff that I was in. I didn't even know about 90s emo at the time. I didn't know Fall Out Boy had roots in hardcore. I didn't know who the hell Race Trader was. I was like, I was a little, I was a little kid. And emo is really the first music that felt like mine. It wasn't my parents. It was stuff my cousins showed me. Um, and it, it just, it felt really exciting to have something I could go to. Warp Tour 06 was my first time going to a show. I got to see early November, who are very adjacent to emo. But you can kind of quibble on, are they emo or not? Blah, 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 blah. That's part of the fun of the genre. It's... It's a place where you can just quibble about this stuff, like arguing what is and isn't hardcore you can do, but it's not it's not nearly as central to to it as much as emo is, given like that first wave of everything. So that's where I come in. And then much later, 
in college is when I'm like, oh, mineral, American football, all of that stuff starts to come together as a revival, um, which was huge for me. But we'll get into that in a second. What about you, Jim? Yeah, so as we'll kind of emerge as a theme for me, I had a really fast and short on-ramp to emo, right? Because to, to give context around me, I don't know how much I've talked about this so far. I started riding BMX in the spring of 2000 and pretty immediately started buying and watching BMX videos, specifically Props Video Magazine. Uh, Props Video Magazine was notorious even at the time for having like very curated, very emo um, forward soundtracks. And so through BMX video soundtracks, I was given a really fast on-ramp to punk, emo, and hardcore of like a very sort of mid-brow record store clerk kind of flavor. So that is to say that I sort of, in 2000, caught the sort of ass end of the second wave of emo in real time. I think my first encounter with the genre in a really explicit way was hearing Get Up Kids Holiday. And it was sort of off to the races from there. I was instantly obsessed and like um, not, not soon after or not, not too long after I heard Jimmy Eat World, No Sensitivity. Um, and then from there, I heard stuff like Senses Field or Senses Field. We'll fucking edit that. Sense Field, Jazz June, kind of really niche stuff. Hey, Mercedes, Braid. Yo, so, Jazz June, Jazz June, like my absolute one of my favorite bands. Yo, I can't like, believe they've never talked about Jazz June, dude. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to talk more about Jazz June. Yes, um, but no, really. So, like, I had a pretty heady and comprehensive on ramp to emo. I would say the first thing that I like in terms of like a physical medium, like a CD that I listened to, was I got a polyvinyl sampler. Uh, at that, I think it was at the ass end of 2002. Um, and that was really sort of the first thing that I bought. I was, you know, kind of like a file sharing warrior and mostly downloaded stuff. But comps, samplers were nice because they give you an opportunity to essentially open yourself up to a whole bunch of new stuff. And, you know, polyvinyl at the time was very, very eclectic and weird. And I, I sort of like half of the stuff hit for me but that was big for like finding out about like kerosene 454 and rainer maria and uh the ivory coast bands like that so yeah very different experience like i had some comps but nothing of that sort and for me my story i kind of become i kind of once i go to high school i kind of do the rap thing i kind of distance myself from pop punk and all that stuff and for me, like the next part of the story is really 2013 when the revival breaks. I had no idea what that even meant. One of my favorite podcasts, Hollywood Prospectus, which was part of Bill Simmons' old site Grantland, did an episode on emo. One of the co-hosts was Andy Greenwald, who did the book, Nothing Feels Good, which a lot of people don't like. I haven't read, but it takes a very third wave dashboard, like the big stuff kind of puts it aside second wave 90s emo stuff because that's not his interest but the other host chris was a boston dude in the 90s um he was actually on an episode of jeremy bones podcast 
Um, and he's now a guy at the ringer, Bill Simmons website, but he was, he was like a door guy during the promise ring and all of these other emo bands happening. And they make a playlist. That's all those nineties emo stuff. It has like Texas is a reason lifetime, like even deep cuts, like the shyness clinic. And I start diving in there and then I'm on Reddit during the time. Cause this is, when I'm in college, my roommate shows me this thing called Reddit. I had no idea what it was. I wasn't a forum kid, so like it was all new to me. I go into our emo, and it's that's kind of where I get my schooling on all this stuff, and I've kind of devoured it since. So like because I was in high school during the revival, those peak years of 08 or Midwest emo, whatever you want to call it, from 08 to 12, I kind of miss that stuff, but have but still have a lot of love for it. Uh, Jim, where does that whole word of emo revival, where do you remember first hearing it? Okay, so I think a little more context here. I was pretty all in on emo and sort of like bought in on the Thursday Taking Back Sunday, the used thing that happened shortly after I got into it. Um, sort of followed the rabbit all the way down the hole to about Senses Failville. And then I think the census fail sort of functioned as kind of like an outer limit. Like I really liked like Finch and Thrice and all the stuff leading up to census fail. And then as emo became sort of more mall emo and the sort of second wave uh, petered out in a meaningful way, I sort of lost interest. And then obviously it became very like um, very neon and very, uh, it, no mystery that I don't like the mid 2000s like in any capacity and certainly definitely not like in in an emo capacity right like so I fell off for a few years what got me back in to where I first heard the term emo revival was with the wave right so bands like Tiger's Jaw, Touche, um, Into It, Over It, Balance and Composure those sort of the Tumblr bands are what got me back title fight to big big thing um they're what got me back into the fold in roughly tw late 2011 back half of 2011 and so it was around then that i started he hearing the term emo revival getting thrown around and the only band that i really of like the true emo revival that i really glommed onto at that point was glockamora because they were just the best they were the best in class um, and w let's talk a little bit, like, what is it about Glockamora for you? Because I, I, when I was meeting people in Chicago, our friend Zach Pork is similar in his Glockamora love. What is it about Glockamora above everything else, like above an Algernon or Snowing or any they, of like the big ones that appeals to you more? They just like, they're like fucking emo with truck nuts on it like I, I don't know like they're they're really uh swaggering and fucking like um brash and loud and fun in a way that i feel like a lot of emo isn't because a lot of emo you know kind of goes more in like the mike kinsella zone of being like sort of precious and twee and what i really appreciated about gm was that they went in a totally like as far as the energy that comes out of the records is way more kind of hardcore ish, which I really appreciated. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that 08 to 12 stuff is they're descended from hard. They're like hardcore dudes to start with or, or screamo dudes. 
and especially Glockamore, that sense of fun. Like you listen to Irrevocable Motherfucker, which has that opening, probably that like Maffy emo line that so many bands stole. Go, there's it feels like a party, and it's not like the kind of party emo thing that become that will become tired because it's just watered down Glockamora, but like it's taken me a while to totally glom onto them. But I think part of the thing with them is just married kind of towers over everything. And it might not even be their best release, in my opinion. Like Ghoul Intentions is great. And then I can't remember the name of the EP, but it starts with C for a person. It's got a really long name. Uh, but yeah, that I yeah, Glockamore seems to be a big, a big one for for people. Um uh, but yeah, why don't we start to at least get in to some of this this episode, this main chunk that we're gonna be talking about. Um, yeah, absolutely. The purpose of this episode is to essentially, you know, do do a sort of survey of all of the stuff that came out in a chronological order um, from 2016 to 2020 and sort of get get a lay of the land, get an idea yeah. of some of the stuff that was going on and just sort of do a broad assessment, sort of a state, a state of the scene um, uh, for that for that weird period. Yeah, but let's do a little table setting because we're talking about 08 to 12. So it's it's just kind of on the underground phase, 2013 to 17. The world where emo revival starts to become a thing. People like Ian Cohen, NPR start to give it this to give it some press. And uh 2016 is about what I would call like the quote-unquote death of the emo revival you get the last hotelier record um the last you blew it there's kind of a glass ceiling for a lot of these bands because they've gotten to a point where they can do these big tours and possibly make money for once because if you talk about the 08 to 12 none of those bands all those bands broke up because they graduated college or just reached a natural end um so you kind of have this end and it's kind of like what's next because and it's we're we're in a little bit of a crisis mode too because the mafi stuff as we'll talk about it starts to feel like it's in a recursive circle and other people have talked about like it's almost like reviving a dead corpse it's like what else can we really do if like just married by glockamore kind of perfects it in my in like my opinion so it gets so a widely what, widely held opinion <laughs> yeah. yeah and there's stuff i love that we're going to be talking about but like there's only so much farther you can go with the with the twinkly emo thing it like like the idea the, the thing twinkles was started as a joke by greg horrible of the world is um, it was, and it just became this thing that would be talked about because he was just seeing a lot of bands doing the same kind of cap and jazz worship. Um, so the stuff we're talking about starting in 2016, let's start with the counterintuitive stuff because counterintuitive record starts around this time by Jake Salzy. Um, and you have about, you have two major records, but we'll start with the, with the big one. We have Mom Jeans best buds kind of picking up from the modern baseball thing 
and it's it's sort of got twinkles. Um, what what do you think of Mom Jeans? I mean, for me, like Mom Jeans is the absolute logical extreme of everything that I think about when I when this period comes up, right? Like, um, for better or worse, it's twinkly. There's fucking Bob's Burgers samples in it. Um, it's got it's got riffs. And I, I actually really like the vocals a lot. Like this is for me, like this, this is, this derives from stuff like stuff like Guacamora and stuff like Joyce Manor in a way that is like sincere and compelling. And one of the reasons that I think that mom jeans sort of feels um, like a cliche at this point is because best in class bands just kind of tend to feel that way after a while. Interesting. I <laughs> I am not a mom jeans person, but they they were ever present, especially when I was on Reddit. That album cover was everywhere. And they were a band I avoided for a long time just because like I kind of packaged them because of the weed reference with just like weed emo kind of kind of thing, very simplistic lyrics. Um <laughs> and I think I like them the most on this listen, but they were just never going to be that band because I was like, I was already by that point, like almost a senior in college by the time it came out and like already feeling pretty tired with where emo was around that time. So I kind of just purposely avoided it. Their newest record, Sweet Tooth, is actually pretty decent. It's more, it's much more pop punky, and that's always the stuff I like from them. Like Shred Cruz off their split with Graduating Life is a really great, is a really great pop punk song. That's, but um, but this was a big one. But my preference out of out of the counterintuitive stuff is Prince Daddy and the Hyena. It's much more hard same. It's it's much more my speed, and it might just be uh Corey Gregory is much more in the Joyce Manor camp and it's it's that sort of same Glockamore energy where we talk about it's fun this is just fucking fun ass music so many riffs um I would listen to I uh I thought you didn't even like leaving like a lot I remember seeing them play sub t which is like a hundred ish capacity venue in Chicago and like blowing the roof off it was pretty they were like the band they're the prince daddy and the hyena hoodie what essentially is like the bane hoodie but for emo that, that's, <laughs> i was just gonna say it is a hundred percent like the bane hoodie at fast um fast is actually a, a a context where you can see sort of equal shares bane hoodies and prince daddy hoodies um i'm i'm right with you like i was at fest the year that prince daddy sort of got over um they had the sort of like lit talked about set at fest that that year and they've never really been a band that i've gone out of my way to listen to like most of this stuff one of the reasons this is a fun exercise is like most of the stuff in this cohort is just stuff that i hadn't really gone out of my way to listen to but um i think that this is really best in class uh this is particularly I think maybe the most out of anything we're going to talk about today is 
stuff that I see sort of being distantly descended from Weezer Maladroit, right? Like uh, the, the riff, the riff driven emo, right? The big fuzzy riffs. Um, I feel like Maladroit was the first time I really encountered that in like an emo context. And there are a lot of bands like, you know, early heart attack man and Roswell kid that like did that stuff really like extremely. And I love coming back to Prince daddy because they're very much in that zone as well. Yeah. It's really Joyce Manor and green day like mashed together. And this is like very much this, they had stuff before this, but this is the start of their journey. They get even more ambitious with cosmic frill seekers. And I know they probably have a record coming out. Um, really just one of those heavy hitters and are really like deserve all the praise they get. And I think a thing for me is like, I like modern emo and the vocals are shredded as hell. Same. Same thing. And his, you can really tell that he's going for it. And it's like, I don't, I like my emo ugly. I don't like it pretty. I don't like, Same. I need some of it to Man. be like, reflective of like that original like first wave like this is just straight from the gut and even if i am past the point in my life where i identify with the lyrics i need to at least get that feeling yeah um that's that's a big north star for me as as is abundantly clear by the fact that my favorite band is title fight and my favorite band from the emo revival is glockamora right like things need to be punchy they need to be gutsy not interested in stuff that is precious or twee if i if i'm if i a thing that we're going to continue to revisit throughout this conversation is if i'm if i'm going to the well for something that is twee i'm just going to go directly to the best source which is death cab (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh and kind of more on the clean section but they do it really well i love your lifestyle has their first record come out uh band from sweden and i think this is a good point there's a couple of, there's one other band we'll talk about that's international but this but emo revival isn't just a u.s thing bands from all over pick it up and i love your lifestyle still going their best record might have come out in 2020 um it's a, it does like the 2012 cosplay really well. Um, Jim, I know you were really high on this, right? Dude, I, I, I love your lifestyle is like probably my second favorite band from this whole, from this whole era. Um, I love the fact that they're still doing stuff. Um, I'm going to cape pretty hard for anything that comes out of like the, like Gothenburg, um, Sweden, ecosystem because there's just something in the water there that like makes people do god tier shit i love like for as much as we just talked about like liking things to be rough and shredded and like heartfelt like the thing that i like about i love your lifestyle is how fucking polished it is right like i think that they're they're working from the same sort of constituent material that like the sidekicks were like I, there's sort of like a whole sub like micro genre in this uh, era of emo that's like sidekicks core, like awkward breeds core. Um, and m- even more so in their later material, like those bands are really dovetailing in terms of the way that they sound similar to each other. And they, I just love how 
big and bright and sunny and polished i love your lifestyle is like easily the most polished sounding band out of this whole cohort which um you just the things that stuck out to me in this exercise were the things that stuck out to me were the things that were really extreme right for better or worse and um so much for the same reasons that like something that's really heartfelt and shredded um cuts through the mix and hits you in the gut something that's really polished like this and really professional uh, definitely hits me too yeah and picking up on that like sidekicks corollary i think there's in like modern emo there's like stuff that's gets called power pop just because the pop sensibilities are so there and it's not just drawing from traditional emo and i think especially like post 2012 sidekicks like awkward breeds and every and everything like that is a great example like sidekicks aren't emo but like a lot of emo kids fucked with the sidekicks especially because yeah. they were they were huge in the 20 in the 2010s i mean they still they still are relatively but but i i like you talk to post 30 year olds at least in our scene and the sidekicks are like fucking gods absolutely um yeah, sidekicks and hop along sort of have similarly liminal, uh, liminal relationships with emo where they kind of started off as sort of discernibly emo and then moved pretty quickly into just being indie rock, power pop. Um, but both are bands that like, especially elder emo people will still cape hard for. Okay, moving on to my personal favorite, Blowout. Um, I love this band so much. Dude. And they were a late, they were one that David Anthony showed to me back in the day. And he was like, yeah, they kind of sound like grownups. And I'm like, kind of. And it's it's got like, I don't know, there's just a lot of interesting stuff happening. I can't even really quite say what it is I love about it so much. But if you like grownups and like a little bit, I don't even know. What what do you think of what you might be able to? to voice it better than i can i don't know man i it's it's in the uncanny valley but like there's just it it is very well executed versions of a lot of the tropes that um people don't normally do a very good job of right like they do the open tuning they do the twinkly stuff the drums are really like the vocals are great the vocals are like exceptional um, the drums are really what set this apart for me. Whoever the drummer is, is like drawing from the uh, like Rob Kellenberger of Colossal and later Rapids. Um, Yo, Colossal. Yes. Yes. This reminded me so much of Colossal. Like, and it, part of it is because like there is very tasty kind of note heavy drumming, which again, Kellenberger from Colossal perfected. Um, and I just it's refreshing because as a drummer myself, like I know that most of most drummers, including myself are garbage. And so like hearing a drummer that can actually do stuff is always refreshing and fun. I think this one gets lost a little bit compared to some of the other stuff because this record comes out at the end of everything in 2016, but Dude, I, I had really... no idea about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had to have someone show me they're on Lauren records, which usually doesn't do a ton of emo stuff you know like they did the summer vacation record 
uh, a bunch of stuff like Walter Mitty and then into Walter, etc. Kind of like just vaguely punk stuff. And yeah, this one gets lost over. And the last one I wanted to include was a personal edition. I talked about them in my Chicago emo series, Darkle local band. I think, I think there's, I think Matt Pollock in general, who also had the project morning effort is severely underrated. Doesn't do the typical twinkle. It has some of the typical twinkle stuff, but similar to Prince daddy, it's super shredded. He screams and like, even the, the lyrics are super relatable, but it's a record. The, their 2016 record is something I return to a lot. Their 2018 EP pain train is great. Unfortunately, Matt, passed away a couple of years ago so all right this, this was the end but i really love darkle and try to shout them out as much as i can i was definitely like again this is one of those things that is so extreme that it's just compelling on its own merits and also i'm somebody who um really enjoys guided by voices and this reminded me a lot of like Vampire on Titus era guided by voices when he got like really fucking lo-fi and like half the songs on the record sound like they're made with a fucking tape recorder because they literally are like that. That always hits a soft spot for me because I had a very strong relationship with guided by voices as a young as a young pup. That's that's a comparison I wouldn't have thought of, but that's what you're here for. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah, but bringing guided by voices and pavement expertise. I always joke that in college I I majored in guided by voices and minored in pavement. So it's hell hell yeah, brother. Uh, moving into 2017, this is really it's it's a little bit of. It's still a slow year. There's some there's some big stuff. And for me, when I think of 2017, I think of Oso Oso. I think of the Unihan mixtape. Great, one of the great emo records. Uh, for a while, I would be a hater <laughs> and say <laughs> that the one after this Basking in the Glow is a record. Uh, I wasn't into this when it first came out. I was kind of I was kind of like. I was being a hater saying like, what is this record everyone's raving about? The only good song is Shoes. Because I was still in like my pop punk pocket. I couldn't, and this was a little like a skew. It wasn't totally that. It was, it had a little bit more in indie rock, but I mean, this is undeniable. And yeah. if this was 2004, I don't know what the singles would be. There's like five or six songs that could be Dude, a single. It is on this record it is a cover to cover fucking album shout out shout out oh so oh so because i also think that basking in the glow their 2019 follow-up is also a cover to cover album um oh so oh so is my favorite shit on this list if you know me at all you would know this oh so oh so are an immensely important band for me and unihan mixtape and um basking in the glow were literally my bookends for my 18 month long like uh mental health and addiction crater that i went through a few years back um so they're deeply important albums for me um i can't say enough good things like it is 
music that you can take refuge in, right? Like it is music that is warm and welcoming and it just feels reliable. Like Jade knows what the fuck he's doing. He can, you can rely on him to deliver in an interesting but reliable way on like the tropes that you go to emo for. And he does it in a way that is inventive to the point of being uncanny. Like I heard, you know, on mixtape at a buddy's house, like right after it came out and it just hit me in the balls in a way that like very few things since hotel, your home, like no place is there did. Right. Like I would put it sort of in a similar territory of like evocative and powerful albums for me. Fun fact, um, at the end of State Lines, the the band before us, so that Jade fronted, uh, the Hotelier was the backing band for that last tour, because um, you know they lived they lived pretty near each other, so that's a little yeah. emo nugget. Um, we love to see that's, it. That's fun. Uh, also, shout out to State Lines. If you haven't fucked with that, that's like much more pop punky. But I think Jade, very early on, knew what he was doing and was onto something um his record Hoffman Manor um from 2011 was I don't know it's just like a really great pop punk album but very but lyrically he was in an interesting pocket uh talking about the retirement home that would be right alongside the beach on Long Beach New York uh but yeah Unihan mixtape is it's fan fantastic uh a record that I still find myself returning to and not getting tired, tired of. Um, and I think Jade's, Jade's obviously going to continue to write this kind of music well. He had a single come out called Pensacola recently. That was really great. Uh, moving on, we got to talk about another Chicago band. Dear friend, I, I, call, I call most some of them dear friends, uh, Retirement Party. Fuck yeah the 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 biggest sweeties um this is a retirement party stan account um we wish we wish all of them the best in their their future endeavors they're all powerhouses they're all great people they're all going to do great stuff um man can't say enough good things again they're like they're a top tier band they're sort of like on the rushmore of this uh, of this exercise for me along with oso oso and i love your lifestyle um like I think that they they go a place that I didn't know I needed to go musically. Um, as as somebody who like I cut my teeth on stuff like Super Chunk, like Super Chunk was kind of one of the first indie emo crossover bands that I encountered. Like it's very near and dear to me, and um, I'm always just always down to to rock some retirement party i was heavily rocking with them during the pandemic um because hugo and i <laughs> went to a a show uh, right before the pandemic hit that was them and uh chris farron and max seal i totally forgot about that show <laughs> it was a, it was um, a dinger but also like we should mention we have some proximity because um the scene we were a part of included Eddie, who 
who was the bassist and guitarist for Retirement Party for a while. He had an emo project called At Zero that I really loved, played bass in like an orcore band called uh, Auto Man. Uh, Nick Cartwright, the original guitarist, had a band called Regular Oatmeal, very much in the same pocket. Uh, and James Ring Ringus was in Winter Classic, which I describe like as kind of Brady in, yes. in its music. Uh, and so we got to watch firsthand, like them start this new band. And I didn't think much of it because it's just like, oh, this is cool. They were, this is shout out to Soak before they got the cease and desist to change. I remember that first flyer. And I remember hearing the EP and be like, holy shit, this is great. And seeing like a bunch of people post about it and like saying, oh, this isn't just a friends band. This is a band people actually care about. And that was still new to me. Like I saw it happen with Sincere Engineer, shout out. Um, and I still think Strictly Speaking is still like my, my jam. That's still the record. Cause I think there's something so like exciting about it. Like there's, they, everything's there. It's a Nick's, guitar playing meshes really well with Avery and I think they go to more interesting places like artistically later but Hall Beach is like my track Mimi and Montauk even the, the yeah. little closing track like everything's there and it's not your typical twinkles it feels just a little bit more distinctive and it's it's like a really good example of what this era can provide with some when it's the right people uh writing it that i mean there's something so special about when somebody is young and is writing from a position of youth and vivacity but is able to deliver it with the the sincerity and the gravitas of somebody north of 30 right like in the early RP material was written when Avery was still a teenager and like Avery's very young I think she's all of 24 uh, on a good day at this point and I just think it's so impressive when something that is this much of a just statement comes out of somebody that young totally and I mean this is music made for young people like if if you don't have like 18 year olds or whatever 20 year olds writing it um it doesn't capture that same feeling i had when i heard american football when i was 19 the fact like in all my depression being like this is the most amazing thing ever and it totally captures what i am feeling uh moving on to swordfish this is a really quick one they were kind of hot during this time uh kind of got the horns mid-tempo thing not totally my thing but i do i do like a couple tracks uh social drinker which i included on our playlist um was a was a big one i think just email with horns is an easy way to draw me in uh jim do you have anything to say about this one this definitely felt like a band trying to color within the lines um and totally i respect it i respect that hustle um as somebody who 
approaches every genre from the sidelines because I'm somebody who is not firmly in or of any one genre. Any stuff that is too in the within the lines, I know it's not for me. <laughs> like I need outlier shit to draw me in because I'm sort of on the outside of everything. So, uh, which is one of the reasons why these conversations can be interesting. But yeah, that's my take. Yeah, let's let's just move on. We got a lot of stuff to cover. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving on for another one of my favorites of 2017, Max Seal. Uh, EP. What's up? Oh, God tier for sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I this is my favorite material from from them. It is doing the twinkly stuff, but the songs are just there. Next to you is probably my favorite favorite track. Uh, I remember seeing them in 2017 with Retirement Party being four. They had three guitarists at the show, and to and having three guitarists in the emo band is just a flex to me. And I'm like, okay, I see you. And they pulled. I'm honestly here for it. I love it when that happens. Like, yeah, it just looks cool. The more people you have on stage, if you're an emo band, the the cooler it should be. I mean, why the fuck do you think World Is are so successful? Yeah, it just looks it just looks great. Uh, but yeah, this is really like top tier, like 2017 emo for this for this period. I think you can't get much better. And it's like we said with Elvier Lifestyle, the songs are there. Like you can do all the the like pretty shit, but you got to have the hooks, and they have the hooks. So everything. So it doesn't matter. You can you can twinkle all you want, but the songs are there. Totally. Um, moving on to this kind of borders the counterintuitive scene. They might be on counterintuitive. Uh, graduating life, which features Bart, who also plays in mom jeans. Uh, definitely more on the pop punk side. Uh, I actually really enjoyed their little elephant video from. Mm-hmm. from this from this same year i almost like that more than what's on the record uh not totally a band for me another one that i've enjoyed but haven't really dived deep on but i know a lot of people got a lot of love for this band i i got a lot i got a lot of love for uh, keith who runs their account is a longtime twitter mutual of mine um real good poster uh and i'm a, a big fan of anything that is drinking from the maladroit well again like so this is i this is music that i consistently get a lot of like sort of uh my favorite aspects of weezer and guacamora from and it's it's in my wheelhouse i it had been truthfully a minute since i had reached for any of it and i'm I'm always pleasantly surprised when i pick it up totally totally Back on the international tip, we got Forrest. Uh, really love Forrest, sim- similar to I Love Your Lifestyle, really clean. Uh, I want to say from Singapore. Uh, their next, the record after this is better, but um, as someone who's gotten into more Asian emo lately, I really love what they're all of that stuff. So I wanted to just include this one as a little shout out. I don't. I don't I don't know how much people are talking about Forrest beyond like Twitter. 
Yeah, I was just really impressed. It's just really well executed. Um, it, I'm, I love, I love the fact that stuff like this is coming out of um, places that aren't America. It fucking rules. Totally, totally, totally. Now, I know you talked this one up, Del Paxton. You were really into this, which I don't know why I was surprised, but it was just not one I was thinking that you would be like, I love this. Yeah, I mean, there's just, it's, they're a band, for one thing, they're from Buffalo. Shout out, shout out Buffalo, New York. Um, Wellspring is some of the best bands and people ever. always ride harder for any band that comes from the Rust Belt because I am from the Rust Belt. Um, they do a really great job of being mathy, but not too mathy. Um, and they, I really like what's going on with the, the bass in particular. There's a lot of callbacks to like what I really enjoy about um, stuff like Lifetime. Um, and just, just everything is really well composed and it just like, it just the music just has a snap and an urgency to it that I feel like if I have any one sort of overarching gripe about the genre of emo in general, it's that a lot of it isn't executed with the urgency that I want. So I got that from it. And I was really pleasantly surprised. They're definitely a band that I'm going to start putting in my regular rotation on a consistent basis now. Yeah, this was one that I kind of put in the last minute because I was just looking for stuff to include and like i like i like it it's like definitely has the energy of this kind of stuff that i want but the one if we're talking about this like energetic emo kind of thing oliver houston the next one is what i reach for more this was a huge one on on our emo and i don't they they similar to blowout kind of don't get the love but they're total 2011 core for me. Like, this is the kind of stuff I would have loved to see, like, in a basement at Strange Light or something, RIP, or one, any of those emo houses. And really strong pop melodies. Uh, yeah, Whatever Works is the name of the record. This one's very high up on my list. Yeah, I was really impressed. Um, again, yeah, just oozes 2011 sensibility right like um if you're going to be worshiping and reviving a moment in music you should want that the music that you make to immediately transport the listener there and oliver houston did that really well it's cool learning about all this stuff that like um was a complete blind spot for me but because you were an our emo person like was the biggest thing in the world for you it's yeah yeah that's like it's just because i was on reddit that because i wasn't on twitter as much as i am now and this is where a lot of the conversations were happening and where bands would like quote unquote blow up and this was a bit this was a big one but i don't know like they're a band that's beloved but i don't even know if their shows were that big which kind of makes them an emo band that like nobody really cared IRL, but like on the internet, people were like, this is the biggest thing ever. Uh, continue last 2017. This is kind of, we're starting to see the beginnings 
of this next generation of stuff that's a, a little more innovative. Commander Salamander, known by known as Comma Salad. Um, oh, sorry. Um, I really like I really like them. It's got that same hardcore energy as the really early stuff, but it doesn't feel, even though I love Oliver Houston, it doesn't feel as beholden to what happened before. Uh, and this isn't the Comma Salad release for people, but it is their first one, and it's really great. It's even joke even jokey um it's just got a sense of fun and i yeah what do you think but yeah it was fun it was fun but not in like an offensive way right like it's fun in the guacamora is fun where it just like feels like it's inviting you to a party doesn't feel like it's pissing on your leg right like big difference do you have stuff you're thinking about that's like not that's like doing fun in an annoying way um mom jeans kind of goes there <laughs> okay okay let's like, let's let's take out the the knuckles <laughs> yeah no i mean it's just like yeah yeah it's i i mean i get it but i don't get it right like it's not for me i like i don't need my music to be uh that heavy-handed Right, because I feel like when you're too earnest and you're too over the top, it sort of like is subtractive to the level of sincerity that you deliver. And like, far be it for me to like be it, you know, you know, in the sound of my voice that I'm like the least self serious guy. Um, but I don't want my shit to be fucking goofy, you know? Yeah. Totally, totally. I think there's a very delicate line, and it's really hard to know until somebody crosses it. That's like, yes. Oh. I don't mess with this or and it's just especially the way the internet works with especially how quick memes become outdated and like jokes and stuff you you just never know and it's like okay this is kind of (laughs) corny uh and then moving into 2018 this is another like kind of i'd call cult classic but not my thing I know there's going to be maybe like one or two people listen to this. They'll be like, what are you talking about? Special explosion uh, on top, on top shelf, a big emo label. It's just a little too indie rock for me. It doesn't have that same energy that I'm looking for. Uh, yeah. This is just indie. I, I, there are a few bands that arrived just put, this is just indie rock as the only real note. Totally. Like I don't, I get it. Like, I set the table for myself early on in the episode when I said that I'm not one of these fucking prescriptivists who only thinks emo is stuff that sounds like dag nasty. But that being said, I'm going to call bullshit on you when you're just Trojan horsing fucking indie rock under the emo umbrella to me. I do not care. Yeah, and I think it's that's another conversation for another day because 20 the 2010s are really when emo and indie rock converge so it's kind of more of a cultural thing i think with special explosion yeah and with something like the world is which is like it's taking a lot of indie rock and bringing it under the emo umbrella i could see it it's just i'm I am not Mr. Indie Rock in general, and I try not to be 
annoying, but like I kind of don't like it that much at all. Yeah, not special explosion. Indie rock is just not for me. I still no, have yeah. a punk kid. Yeah, this me. is this is a broad problem about just like we're not. Neither of us are really indie rock people on this podcast, and so stuff. Yeah, that I border. Zone. I border indie rock. There's occasionally stuff, but it's but that's why stuff like Special Explosion never does anything for me. If someone wants to get at me and like pitch me a better way to understand this, I'm totally down. I'm not gonna like write something off. Yeah, uh, edit, editorial stance in general for this pod. I think you'll echo me on this, Hugo. Is like. Before you go fucking beating our asses in the fucking QRTs, like, fucking pitch me on this shit. Sell me the idea of why something I said is wrong. I, we both pride ourselves on having open minds and having designed wide frame of references to talk to us. Blanket statement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, obviously this isn't like the biggest podcast in the world or anything so i'm not expecting crazy amounts of people to get at me but i just want to see that because i've been that person getting mad at someone on a podcast <laughs> because i disagree with them happens that's to just, me once a week that's the nature of the beast baby uh let's talk about something i do like stars hollow their Hell yeah. uh, 2018 record i think it's a similar to Com- uh, commander salamander it's a step forward in the like more like midwest emo guitar style it's got that yelly vocals it's got a little bit of a con it's got a little bit of a concept to it uh i really took to stars hollow a lot in the past couple of years and i'm hopefully seeing them in a few weeks oh uh, yeah the, the, <laughs> the noodling the noodling is clever the, the noodling is well executed and clever uh, it's not noodling that feels like it's being done prosaically just to check a box. It feels like actually compelling and inspired. And I like that. De- definitely. Uh, definitely. Their record from last year is also very, very good. I'd recommend people checking that out. Uh, moving on, we got I Feel Fine uh, with their 2018 record. Their 2021 records a little bit better but this is a uk email and uk similarly to some of the other international stuff has a very vibrant scene right now that's doing more of the midwest emo revival revival stuff and this ep is just or this record excuse me it's just very capably done it's a style that i just love and yeah what did you think fucking liked it a lot it was definitely like very well put together like the a a big part of what makes music compelling for me is when tropes are um patchworked and stitched in a way that just feels cohesive and just right there right like just hits you and the riffs and the leads and the, the rhythm just being very just sturdy that i liked it a lot not gang vocals when they're executed well are is a fun time too yeah they really use gang vocals well um that's like half of their that's like half of their shtick uh but it definitely adds a level of gravitas makes the emotions feel more heightened and like 
this sort of epic feel for like I like if we're talking in 90s emo like I'm a big mineral person and they don't use gang vocals but there's a sense of that like this feels epic like amazing like you're coming up on like a drug trip or something experience and I feel fine is like really great at capturing that uh moving on more on the math rocky uh side uh golfer uh secret stuff uh this this record is this record's great uh uh, what what did you what did you think of golfer? Reminded me of Bear versus Shark, um, a little bit. Um, that it's like definitely not really mathy in a way that I would necessarily reach for uh, most of the time, but but definitely respectable. Like I'm a big Bear versus Shark guy, so I got to give brownie points to any any band that's try- that that sounds adjacent to them whether accidentally or deliberately um it wasn't it definitely wasn't my favorite thing but i enjoyed it it was fun it was definitely fun it's one of the bands that like feels fun without feeling stupid pool kids yeah uh music to practice safe sex too uh i remember when this came out uh i remember being really stoked on it because it's it's like it's very math it's very mathy and like it's very technical but in an accessible way and yeah i don't i remember when people were talking about it it's like if paramore was a math rock band dude it's yeah. an easy thing to do say because it's a woman's vocal but it, it has that energy to it and it's fun and it's it's got that fun energy too but it's one of those 2018 specifically is the year where i was like Oh, emo's getting interesting again. Yeah, I remember having, feeling that way too. Like, but also like the Paramore thing isn't really that much of a stretch because Paramore did that really innovative album after Laughter in 2017, and they were like steadily moving in the direction of doing like kind of more um, art rock stuff. And so, from for a band that's sort of like in the mathier corner of emo to draw from that well isn't that crazy at all i think it's a comparison that goes beyond just the female vocals you know i just worry as a dude that i do that too much it's like female vocalist sounds like other female vocalists i think it's it's just a thing yeah uh, that that comes up but this is a another one that should be at the top of your list because i think it's still very impressive and like a high watermark for more of the technical side of like the this era of emo. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, another one, another record I love. This is awake but still in bed with what people call low self-esteem. It's just how other people see you very long. I remember also this record coming out and taking to it immediately. To me, it's a natural successor to the hotel here record home like no places there it's got that same emotionality hits you right in the gut the song called the opener and i was personally going for a rough time in 2018 2018 is when i first quit drinking tried not first but the year quitting drinking hit but before that i relapsed and was drinking a lot and this song hit and it still does because it talks about depression very frankly 
in in a way I appreciate. And it's not doing any of the other stuff between like any of the it's very much in its own class and its own and it's just a true like a pure blue punk record in in many in many ways but just the emotionality of it it's just like this feels like an emo record it's on tiny engines which runs adjacent to this whole scene uh put out the hotelier records and still i'm eagerly awaiting lp2 because this is some of the just some of the strongest stuff to come out of the scene uh during 2016 to 2020 really stands out um one of the most distinctive bands in this cohort um one of the bands you should definitely reach for like there are very few there are relatively few bands that i'm gonna like really put that underline under but i think that this band gets a hard co-sign from both of us yeah yeah and i'm like i i tend to be very uh effusive about my praise about a lot of stuff but i i genuinely I genuinely mean it. You have to be in the right place because this is a very, it's very emotional, but there's, there's also just some tracks like life. I would play, I would play on repeat on repeat a lot. Uh, but yeah, definitely on my strong recommend moving on to someone I don't feel as strongly about, but is, uh, should be mentioned Michael Sarah Palin uh don't have much to say about them unfortunately they're all they're uh one of many bands that's named after a celebrity <laughs> or in some kind of little joking little, little way portmanteau little jokey portmanteau the the name michael sarah palin for me is like is fucking really emblematic of this moment in in emo um do you have much to say about Michael Serapion or no, short for I, words? I, it's really, sh- given it short shrift, um, pretty much like anything from here on out where like that I don't have a strong opinion about, I'm not going to really say that much about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, my, my, I'm just slowly through the course of this podcast just trying to get the shit talker out. I'm I uh we will we will we will see him when he when he comes through um, <laughs> I, it's almost worse it's almost worse and this actually this this is in a way him coming out gloves off it's almost worse to me if I don't have fucking shit to say about you because if I have something fucking negative to say about you at least you're moving the Overton window for me right whereas like yeah if your shit is forgettable then I don't know yeah this is just it's like more in that emo it's like more in the emo pop uh circle and it's i know there's probably people that love this band but they they just never did much for me and that's just that's just me uh moving on to charmer which is obviously named after the tiger's jaw record uh just Michigan, Michigan represent Michigan. Do you have a lot to say about this band? I think it's a great, it's a great execution on the formula. Um, it is a wonderfully fucking, uh, I, I think that it's really, I mean, at the Michigan bias, I'm from an hour South of Michigan. And so I ride hard for anything that comes out of there. I'm getting a lot of like Bob Nana 
out of this, which I feel like is not not something that I see a whole lot in this era. The the vocal harmonies are really good. I really enjoyed the riffage. Um, like pretty big fan. I had always because of my geography and being adjacent to this genre, I had always heard a lot of chatter about this band. Um, this exercise made me realize that I might actually want to listen to them more than I have been. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, they're a band I've always heard of and kind of liked, but I never got like super, super in the weeds, but it's, it's a very nice melding of like pop punk and the more like twinkly emo stuff that we keep, that we keep referencing. And uh, another example of a band that I actually like the thing that follows after the one we're t- record we're talking about, but very, very, very competently, competently done. Uh, moving on to another one band that I really like, California Cousins. Uh, just, uh, I don't, I don't know where to start. Just a band that used to play in Chicago a decent amount. They would come through and play with their homies, and I didn't give them much listen until they did a split with floral patterns and it was them going more hardcore and i was like oh an emo band going a little hardcore is just what i needed and yeah listening to their 2018 record there's a lot of that in here like 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 i'm hearing a little bit of math core stuff a little bit yeah Um, i I was really impressed. It's a really nice flavor. I was really impressed by this. I hadn't really ever listened to this band, and they they reminded me of a lot of the stuff that was happening in the in the mid two thousands. Um, sort of, I think in the sort of scenes adjacent to the sort of grown ups scene uh, in the Midwest of like again screamo adjacent emo, right? Like, I think it's a. Uh, especially in this cohort of bands, super duper interesting. Like I really like the their use of like heavier riffs and it's cool to see a band that's willing to still do that sound this late in the timeline. Yeah, and you start to see more stuff incorporating like just more hardcore, like especially in the guitar part, it's like more breakdown kind of stuff, even if they're not doing a whole breakdown, it's just a certain way the guitar rhythm is accentuated. And it especially comes through and probably the biggest heavy, probably one of the heavy hitters of 2018, 19 going forward, Origami Angel. Uh, they, they put out Somewhere City 2019. Another example of like, oh we're, we're getting somewhere interesting once again uh there's blast beats and it's it's really just i i don't know i remember seeing them in 2020 with the with short fiction at beat kitchen and the floor rattling from people jumping up and down and just Dude. being like excited holy shit like what is happening in emo um and a lot of the stuff that gets called fifth wave is starting to appear at the end of 2018 into 19. We didn't yeah. quite have the words yet, but it's but there was a feeling of like, 
a lot of the work bands were putting in the years before in 2017 and 18 because origami angel had been around for a while people were starting to pick up on it now correct me if i'm wrong but origami angel end up being kind of one of the preeminent fifth wave bands right sort of they're part of it i don't they don't necessarily identify it with it the same way as a home is where right they get placed into it the stuff is very hard to draw because for anyone who doesn't isn't online but fifth wave is a term kind of was a term coined by bands like home is where to talk about the stuff that came after like 2017 and 18 that we're sort of talking about the end of the revival and origami angel definitely fits in there but because we're in the midst of it i can't really say what is and isn't yeah a lot of that stuff i think it's important to to note is that when you're this stuff becomes very clear in hindsight and often feels very amorphous when you're actually soaking in it right like um there will obviously be bands that that differentiate themselves sonically or culturally in ways that like makes them clear standard bearers and clear leaders of the pack but there's a lot of the clarity that you see in analyzing this stuff happens in hindsight yeah that's part of the difficulty i've had in trying to write about this stuff because it was happening like a lot of stuff was happening during the pandemic that origami angel show is like the beginning of 2020 so like two months before everything shut down and it was just as origami angel was popping and the fifth wave stuff really came to like the four in 2021 and i think there's a lot i think origami angel is just because a lot of the easy core adjacent stuff you're seeing in email like origami angel is kind of at the four the one of the forerunners and they make the joke we're not we're not in we're not like a fifth wave band we're an easy core revival band which is a tongue-in-cheek thing but they're just as influenced by that stuff as anything with email i think part of what makes origami angel so special is that they're they're able to take all of their influences and actually put them together in the band there's like ska parts even like little upstrokes there's tappy stuff there's like game boy samples um and they just have a ton of ambition and the record that follows somewhere city that came out last year is like i think elikovich compared it to like the modern zen arcade because that's just how that's just how like forward thinking ryland yeah is oh and like here's the thing so it's like it's always telling when a band is turning heads across age cohorts and i know some old ass people who fucking love origami angel and think they're the hottest shit um happening right now and so it's cool to see a band especially from this you know kind of relatively marginal pocket of the of the alternative music world um turning those kinds of heads i think that i think that origami angel have a bright future and i think that like they can write their own check in terms of like the impact that they want to leave i'm excited about them yeah and they're like on a bunch of pop punk tours are opening for that wonder years um anniversary tour right now um so like they they're they're crossing over and in a real 
in a real way. Like, I think the same old heads that like anxious, like origami angel. It, it's the two very different things. I'm bitches. I'm yeah. bitches. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I can go on and on, but like a band that like if you see live, I think really carries over that enter- that that youth energy just really appeals. Uh, moving moving on in the more punky side. Minnesota natives, nice with two eyes, uh, kind of jokey, kind of jokey in the in the names and like could you could call them that like silly weed ammo stuff I talk about, but but it's but I think there's a lot in their songs that can be appreciated. It isn't totally for me, but it's got some of that like punk energy that I that I like in my email. They they feel like a descendant of of Roswell kid, right? Like they're they're definitely like cut from that same kind of cloth of like being like weed emo adjacent. <laughs> I hate I hate, uh, hey, I hate how much I have to use the word, and I hope everyone understands. But it's like there's weed references in it, and it's a little bit jokey. Jo- like, jokey, yeah. I don't like even exactly has- know the parameters. Of it. It's like something I want to explore more, yeah. But I don't know enough of like the sac, like the C and D tier emo, weed emo stuff. It's right. just a word that gets thrown around a lot that I don't quite understand. But I kind of know it when I hear it. It's just anything that has like big, big fucking super bad or uh, fucking pineapple express energy when you listen to it, right? Like it's like stoner buddy movie fucking music that's emo emo that's evocative of those those feelings and that carries that kind of energy i think onward to uh to yawning how are we feeling about yawning oh i love yawning they just they remind me of snowing and that's that's like half of why i like them it's got that like as you can tell like if we're talking the more like classical revival stuff stuff that reminds me of 20 that reminds me of that first chunk 2008 to 12 bands like reviving it or like doing an emo revival revival kind of thing that really just appeals to me because cosplay is important or like doing not cosplay but doing that a recreation is important at least to me because i wasn't there so i don't know what it was like to see to see like a two like snowing in 2010 so like getting a band that's doing that while adding their own flourishes is important because it's like oh here's something i can tangibly hear that's happening right now that's doing that that's giving me that same feeling right it's it's nice to like it's nice to hear it and it's nice to know you get the psychic reward of knowing that somebody is cultivating that garden that you love so much let's just move to perspective a lovely hand to hold uh been around a while uh what are your opinions on perspective of the hand to hold? I like the vocal production. Um, getting some of the, getting some of the the same energy as uh, as Oso Oso a little bit. I feel like it's like um, maybe a little bit adjacent to that, but um, I, I I definitely I definitely enjoyed it. It was sort of like in the mid middle of the pack for me. I think. Yeah. It's a little more chill than some of the other stuff, at least this record. They're a band I sometimes hear talk 
here talk about, but like ones that I haven't nearly spent enough time with to really form like a definitive statement about how I about how I feel um, about them. But but good in their good in their own right, and one of those that um, kind of started this idea for emo four point five because it's it kind of feels in between these things. These, yeah, these no, that's in a way. that's a really good way to put it. They're like more than any other band, they really feel like they're on some sort of margin between what happened and what would happen. Yeah, and kind of like in their own thing, like they're not really part of the fifth wave movement, but they're yeah. definitely derived from the earlier stuff, but not like directly doing a similar yeah. thing as it. Uh, moving on to like another similar Origami Angel a band that kind of got me back into emo in a big way, Short Fictions. Fate's Worse Than Death. Um, I, I adore this record. It reminded me of everything I loved about it. I know they say they're like inspired, like Brave Bird's a big comp for them. Yeah. Count Your Lucky Stars Core. But it's not, but it's adding some different stuff. There, it's um there's a lot lyrically, it's doing some interesting stuff. Um, it's really about climate change and it's re- it's really tied to its city. It's a it's a it's a love letter to Pittsburgh in many ways. Great. And like it's it kind of, around this time is when I was kind of getting deep into when I was on Twitter a lot and seeing a lot of people from Pittsburgh hype this band up and other stuff. And it's it's very it's a very dense record to me that I had a lot of fun digging into. I actually interviewed Sam the singer for my medium page um, for in 2020. That's right. Um, I remember that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a fun one because uh, I don't do a lot of interviews. Uh, so it yeah, was, you don't. It's not typically your thing. It's always really refreshing when you do. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's fun. Uh, but but yeah, I short fictions band that I adore, and I really the love really started after that Origami Angel show because there was it just pulled it, it was able to pull me in in a in a very inviting way. Yeah, you took all the words out of my mouth on this one, man. I just thought it was like really, really unbelievably well executed. Um, just again, one of the one of the bands on this list in the sort of exceptional tier of just sounding really, really professional and like they know what the fuck they're doing, which is something that I inherently appreciate because I feel like it's not not something that's particularly fashionable in this genre necessarily, but I'm here for it. It's good. Yeah, and the, the last one from 2019 is much more on the fifth wave tip, um, kind of more in that post emo. Um, it's definitely doing its own thing, kind of like, even if it's not necessarily referencing it, it's derived from like something like Brave Little Abacus. It's bringing in a lot more stuff. It's definitely more electronic in a way. We got Weather, we got Weather Day. Uh, I, a band that I, I I haven't even really scratched the surface with this record, but it's one of those that feels like it's been passed along on the internet and 
has become this big like cultural touchstone along with another band I forgot to include in our in our um, Google Doc but uh, Glass Beach uh, that first record both like just feeling like they're very sprawling in a way and I and when I'm talking about post-emo I'm talking about it the same way people talk about post-hardcore um, it's 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 got that same it's got that same feel but it's doing something different it's derived from the emo community but it's reaching for something different for something that feels a bit yeah. outside of the traditional canon yeah we're really starting to see some stuff in this like last little gasp of this of this time period that is um you're starting to see like the the influence of you know bedroom pop and hyper pop trickle in and really cross pollinate with emo in a way that that is giving rise to legitimately postmodern musics. Um, that's I think one of the reasons why like stuff like um, emo rap into hyper pop and sort of everything in between is having like a really net positive effect both culturally and aesthetically on the genre is because it's actually going places that are like sonically moving the Overton window quite a bit as opposed to like guitar music has been in this pretty bad cycle of just kind of recycling the same things over and over again for 20 years and while I may not fully get all this stuff because I'm old it's certainly I think net positive to have things be happening that are truly dynamic and that's what I was talking about in 2016 and 17 about about feeling like we're going in circles and some of the stuff we're talking about I really like that's sort of doing something that already happened but like if you keep doing that you eventually and it's just this weird this weird circle that goes nowhere and it's and it's just we in America specifically we have an obsession with revival in general and reviving things that already happened and it doesn't yep. allow room for like stuff that's actually happening right now to thrive like bands that are starting now deserve that same love that like your favorite 90s emo band had or gets now like and it's it's why stuff like glass beach weather they excited me so much even if i wasn't necessarily all the way in it's like oh this feels just like origami angel felt different this feels different in a different way in a new way and and it um and it, it only continued um into 20 into 2020 uh and i figure we should we should bring up some of those uh, a big one for me was your arms are my cocoon for another chicago band i remember my buddy trent uh sent me this and i was like because we met at a screamo show and was like hey i don't know if you'd mess with this and my first my head exploded when i first heard it i was like bedroom pop with screamo yeah what is this and this is before i started to catch on to all these bands that now do this um and your arms are my cocoon was like i don't know if they were first but it's really like a defining release for this bedroom screamo stuff that's that's part of like this post emo stuff that i that I talked about. It's incorporating Brave Little Abacus in a different way 
than the glass beach and weather day stuff the glass beach and weather day stuff is very maximalist it's swinging for the fences um your arms are my cocoon draws you in and it's it's very emotional in a different way but i remember i saw your arms are my cocoon the first chicago show and there was something very exciting for somebody tyler is just figuring out like who he wants to be as a musician because this he moved to chicago to go to school didn't really have a scene lived outside the suburbs of uh i forget where in texas but outside of a major city and this throw the ep game steam online and i saw him and it was and my mind was blown i was like this must have been what it felt like to see like bomb the music industry when yeah. it was first starting like <laughs> And like the last song, he jumps off the stage, starts playing his guitar. I think it's Metamorphosis. And the, there's only 10 people there, maybe by the end of the night. But I felt this like, we're all in this together feeling this communal experience. And it's like, it's one of those highs that it's why I go to shows. Dude. Yeah. In the first place. And, and it's, and it's why your arms are my cocoon. It's not only the future, but but they are. They like literally. It literally feels like listening to to what's to come. Um, and I'm being very effusive, but like that's that's how how passionate the following around this project seems to be to me. Well, and I think it's good. I mean, like the if there's any sort of big takeaway from most of this era and this cohort of bands that we're talking about is that overall a little bit too derivative and like the things that we were talking about are things that had already happened and like with with a few major exceptions like none of the bands are really splitting the atom in a way that is exciting or fun and the cool thing about getting to this last year this last little pith of bands like your arms are my cocoon and lobster fight and guitar fight uh, are, are it's that it, there's legitimately not novel stuff happening and like it's exciting and it's dynamic and like much like the world is a, is a really chaotic and uncertain place right now. Like it's cool seeing that reflected in a, and being mirrored in a positive way in a musical genre. I think it's really, really exciting and cool. I think that like, the overwhelming amount of this stuff that's sort of in this general neighborhood in the, the little back portion of this exercise is really, really fun to see. Yeah. And for me, it's like, this is the f not the first time, but I'm like experiencing it firsthand in a way that's, ex that's very exciting to me to be, for it to be uncovered. Like I interviewed Tyler for track by track um and then very quickly after that uh leo or Gugliel at the reader did a little review and it felt like stuff was bubbling and i bought the first cassette tape uh run that sold out almost immediately follow like tyler on instagram and seeing him post about people are already getting tattoos of this record bro like it's it's crazy so cool yo like i am 
Like it is, it is insane. Like just how quickly people have glommed onto this, um, and it's it's all it's all deserving. And I and even like he's done some splits that have been great. And I I feel like there's really no telling where Tyler can take this project. And that's like that sort of novel feeling is exciting as a fan. Uh, and like the last chunk of this more in the post demo. Um, that you brought up is Lobster Fight, uh, a two-piece that is, they, they are sprawling, but in a different, in a, in a different way than your Glass Beach or Weather Day, because they're like a true blue, like, band, um, not like started as a bedroom project and then built up from the ground, ground floor, uh, similarly exciting, but feels but feels a little more lo-fi. Um, yeah. It has almost like, I feel like this, this newest cohort of, of bands are like going to be doing what fucking like Adam and Pat, Adam and his package was always trying to do, but in an action, in a way that's actually like, that's way more interesting and compelling. And I'm here for it. Um, I would say that like the only the only I the the big takeaway of the of, of the 2020 part of this exercise is like this stuff is happening, this stuff is the future, this stuff is cool. I think the one thing sort of outside of this pocket from 2020 that I really liked was stay inside. Um just because yep, yep. it's it's everything that I like. It is like it's one of the only things from this era that like is in the like knapsack jimmy Eat world fairweather kind of kind of zone like specifically this stay inside release has like a lot of like fairweather's second album lusitania energy where they got really like they got really innovative and started getting kind of more like doing kind of more of like the post rock thing um sort of doing kind of post mall emo and it's cool seeing a band that's like in that in that narrow of a pocket doing that kind of stuff for completely opposite reasons that it's cool seeing the other more exciting stuff during this era. Yeah. And I think part of what made Stan I feel novel is we're starting to see more of it, but like the post like 2000 post hardcore. Yeah. Like obviously an easy Thursday comparison and like stuff that follows from there. Um, and as we both are, I'm generally a fan of everything uh, your your friend from Taking Meds, John Markson, does. Yeah, John and, John is one of like the upcoming like studio auteurs who like puts a very distinct stamp on anything that he produces. Um, yeah, and the it's, it's no difference. Yeah, yeah, he did Drug Church Cheer. He did the he did the Self Defense LP. Um, have you considered punk music? Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. He's even more in my bag. For than, sure. Than, than I fought, because that's the self-defense record for me. I like that better than any, at this point, I like that better than anything else Patrick has ever done. Um, Whoa. Yeah. That's 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 high praise. Kind of similar to Stay Inside. Not really similar, but like in... A more traditional pocket, uh, barely civil from from Wisconsin, kind of uh, 
it's I don't even know really how what to say. I really like this this record, North New Hall. I really particular like the definitely like Blair Blair Sheehan of Knapsack Jealous Sound level worship in the vocals. Jealous Sound, I can hear for sure. Yeah. Uh, but let's go in terms of emo revival revival stuff. We got Oolong, who I really like. It's got the drummer from Jank. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> who we didn't talk about because Lou Diamond is, you know, fuck him. But yeah. they're an important band when we're talking about this era because a lot of stuff kind of is grabbing from Jank. Uh, but I really like the specifically the split that Oolong did um, that's got Spill, Spill Your Guts and a couple of tracks. It's got, it's very much in that same flavor of like 28 to 12 stuff that we've been doing, but it's, it's done very well and still feels, still feels exciting. And part of the reason it, it, um, it connects with me is because there's just not as much stuff doing this right now. Right. Um, it's not the main thing everybody's hyped around. So hearing someone that's doing this is like, okay, this is cool as like part of the flavor. Because I think something emo sometimes struggles with compared to hardcore is hardcore sometimes will allow, like you can have multiple different pockets of things all thriving at once. You can have a beatdown band and a, like a beatdown scene, you know, melodic hardcore scene. You can have um, whatever you want to call it. Or with emo, it seems to be one thing, and there's not like these separate pockets that can kind of thrive on yeah. its own. But the, and that's because so much of emo subsists on the internet, right? Like the emo is such the unit economics of emo are interesting because so much of it is driven by these um, channels of discourse where group group think is relatively interesting like i'm i'm always <laughs> like uh i'm it's always allowed me to become anything known as a writer because it's such a once you make it into the inner circle it's like there's such a self-sustaining community of yeah i that, love it i want to support it like it's it's like super different um, like the, what happens in hardcore is like so much of what happens in hardcore is still very organic and very like happens in the meat space because hardcore is so visceral um, and so uh, so based on just like moshing right and so you do have this sort of like weird fractitious organic thing that happens in hardcore where like a whole bunch of things can be thriving at once um, because those things elicit wildly different responses from crowds and like the kind of ideal situation is having a show where there's a dynamic between bands um, and each band kind of has their own signature crowd reaction. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just an interesting contrast that you see. Um, you brought them up briefly, but I think you can't talk about 2020 without guitar fight from fully Cooley and their 2020 record soap, which if we're talking like easy core revival kind of stuff, they're doing it. And yes. I don't like almost perfecting the twinkle mixed with easy core shit. Like, I don't really know how you get much better than this. You don't get much better than this. 
and also what a cool ass name too uh yeah i could ease it's it's one of those long ones that like i don't even say it all but guitar yeah. fight is enough it's just a cool name for sure i mean i hadn't thought about fully coolie since like 2006 so uh it's <laughs> pretty cool yeah you got anything on them or just that this is rad this is really fucking like it feels incredibly novel and groundbreaking and much like a lot of the bands in this cohort i felt like it was like legitimately getting my mind and my palate expanded when i listened to it and that's a really great feeling like i sort of feel like <laughs> there was a period of time where we were collectively giving up on feeling that way about music because we didn't really know what was possible um yes. so it's really great this new generation of artists um creating stuff that is legitimately novel again after like a decade and a half yeah. of that not happening at all and i think it's a good reminder that like stuff can there's still possibilities for this stuff even as like i was getting frustrated with where we were at like even as stuff like oh so was happening which i love a lot of like there was a lot of like c-tier stuff that i wasn't crazy crazy about um and i think it's nice to see you can have that stuff but like there's still room for innovation in a genre and it's why i am so liberal with what's emo because like if you start narrowing it down you're not including all the stuff that's genuinely derived from it right um, and like like so many good genres of music um if this hasn't become abundantly clear to you already in the year of our lord 2022 like emo is a cultural thing above a sonic thing right like it's a like it's a culture that fosters a certain set of sonic dynamics that are wildly malleable and the people who win the day are people who bend that fucking sonic window into interesting places yeah like i know it's pretty and some of these bands do this that we've talked about in the more post demo i know it's very like popular not popular but it's commonplace to say we're in a post-genre world but I guess as somebody in subculture, I have to call BS on it most of the time. Yeah. Because like stuff like genres come out of out of trends that you see and just words people use. Like po like new wave came out of a very specific thing where it's like, this is a new wave of punk or whatever. And even if the original punk people are like, no, it's not, then you get those influential bands that people try to rip off so then it's like okay i guess new wave is a thing so i i'm not trying to go all the way down on my thing but it's like it's a thing i see pop up and it's like yeah some things are general genuinely post-genre and genre can be constricting but as a music listener without it i'm kind of lost yeah and without it you're also lost as anybody trying to create music too here's the thing so like we're we're get, we're doing a really good job of year upon year whittling away the shitty aspects of genre right like genre should never be a subtractive thing genre should should only be additive right and like the second that you're using genre to gatekeep or to build a stupid little fence 
around the art you're creating, then you have a problem, right? But to stigmatize genre outright and say we're in a post-genre world just because those the shitty gatekeepy aspects of genre are kind of going extinct is wrong, right? Because genre allows you to um, accelerate yourself between different types of music and discover new music, both as a listener and as, and as an artist. And it also having good command of genres and subgenres allows you to take really good sort of tasting notes when you're listening to things and build build more connective tissue in your in your head about about the kinds of music that you're listening to and if, there, if there's any one like sort of philosophical stance of this podcast is that like you should explore more music and you should get familiar with the subgenres of the music that you listen to because it makes the experience more fun Yep, yep. And this is, I obviously am obsessive, so I find it fun to dig into these, into these, like, really deep holes. Um, got off track there for a second, but... But, hey, I think that that's, like, a great way to kind of put a bow on it, right? Yeah. Like The only thing, I just wanted to add one more band. Yeah. Ogbert the Nerd. Um, on, oh, yeah. Back on that Joyce Manor train. Really liked really like that record if you if you like the kind of emo the kind of pop punk that got called emo in like 2012 i hear like a lot of a lot of summer vacation in here too yeah um, definitely part definitely like a like a party um this is this is a this is another this is another another flavor for modern emo um that i'm very into <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely like huge Joyce Manor energy. Um, I some of the some of my favorite emo I guess, is just stuff that is sonically just pop punk, but is allowed yeah. to be, but it is allowed to be pop without being culturally pop punk. It is allowed to be way more pop punk in the ways that I appreciate sonically than wherever the fuck pop punk is right now, um, which is something I have no fucking interest in. It sounds like 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 2009 fest. Exactly. That kind of fucking pop punk, right? Like not whatever fucking shit um, like is happening in the Ashes of Warped tour uh, right now. Like I'm no, that's an entirely separate conversation. Yeah. And this is the end of our long, of our long journey for like four or five years of emo. Yeah, uh, this is this was comprehensive as hell, right? Like I, I yeah, and I tried to be there's obviously stuff that's missing and there's obviously stuff bands that we talked about that someone more informed could go deeper on, but I it's this is a topic I've wanted to kind of broach a little bit just cuz I think looking at stuff this clinically you can start to see the the movements and how how yeah. much stuff has changed and how much stuff changes over a couple four or five years it's absolutely i mean when you have a when you have i think the most important thing is that like when you have a um when you have a genre and a community that progresses sort of on the same timeline as a as somebody's going through college cycle right like when like the four years of youth adult crossover of being 18 to 22 are like when people are their most creative and dynamic in this world like 
you are going to get very short cycles. You're going to get very quick sort of feedback loops and people, people don't really have the time or energy or patience to fuck around that much. They have to just find out. Right. And so that, that creates a really good, really good dynamic. And it, 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 you see a lot of really uh, fun and innovative stuff happening in a short amount of time. And like, I just feel grateful that we're at a point right now. Um, and I think this goes for sort of alternative music in general, um, where we have sort of been shown a new light and we're kind of pointing ourselves towards it, right? Like we finally have broken out of this holding pattern that we are in of just kind of making the same shit repackaged. And like people are, thanks to the, thanks to the creative piss and vinegar of the youths, um, being in this increasingly chaotic world, people are actually starting to innovate again. And I'm, I'm really excited and optimistic about at least that if there's not much else to be optimistic about right now. Yeah. It's 2022 has felt a little slow on the emo front, but I'm still excited for what's ahead. And like, as someone who's a little bit older, like just to enjoy this stuff as a spectator and somebody that wants to like, try to write and document this stuff because um i don't know it's just i i don't want this stuff i don't want this moment to be forgotten or like somebody else 10 years later having to interview people while it's already passed um so i'm i'm really stoked that we were able to do this yeah and i think it's important to note that it's really good that we did this because like whatever is happening presently is going to just fucking bury this. Like, yeah, this is going to feel like a dated conversation in like a year. And I'm like saying a year this as top. somebody, yeah. and I, I talk a lot about my writing because it means a lot to me, but my Chicago emo series is a year old and it is already dated. I like, read it and there are dead YouTube links on there. Yeah. Already. Like the same, and it's the only same. been a year. Yeah, like the same thing I think is about to happen again, just to draw a little parallels. The same thing is probably happening right now, what like happened in hardcore in 2018, where it was just like fucking kind of coming out of a haze and then fucking Triple B becomes an actual business and Mind Force record drops and boom, right? And then it's just fucking light speed since then. Hardcore is obviously yeah. different, um, just compositionally and from a community perspective but there's parallel. but it's just a it's a core it's a corollary uh for sure i feel like it was 2018 was last year because last year is where stuff was popping a lot because yeah. you had the home is where record you had the origami angel yeah origami angel record and then you had some like spill spillovers stuff i i'd have trouble listening them all but last year felt like a um felt like the big year um like i referenced an ian like a a writer from ian cohen where he said the most important like maybe the most important thing that happened to emo in 2021 was where brandon from a home is where said fifth wave or die yeah that felt (laughs) like that was a shot heard around the world man i fucking felt that yeah uh, yeah just stuff like that where it's bringing in like the modern humor stuff into trying to uplift bands um, yeah. well shit <laughs> we here we are 
Um, I'm excited. You should be too. Um, Hugo, thank you for leading us through this exercise, man. It was, it was, it was a real treat for me to, you know, to feast my eyes and ears on stuff that I hadn't really given a sufficient amount of time to, and especially the exciting new stuff, like, um, getting towards the end of this really felt like the dawn of a new era. And it's an era that now two years later, like we're clearly firmly in and, um, people in emo should be more excited than anybody about what the future looks like. Um, there is going to be a playlist uh, linked in the description where you can sort of do the dive that we did. Um, Hugo, do you have anything before we sign off? Uh, no, not, not really. Uh, I think this is dropping before it, the record comes out, but we haven't i wanted to give a shout out to our friends in two houses who have a record coming out soon yeah um we don't i don't usually shout out stuff that's happening i want to try to be better about that but um if you like the titus andronicus kind of like japan droids like do like quote-unquote dudes rock kind of music yeah um, i heard it and it's great um it just wanted to give a quick shout out to them they're very they were a very important band for me and and um, very important, uh, very important band in the Chicago pop punk emo continuum. Uh, the record is called Can't Fail, and it drops uh, April 22nd. We're, we're both very excited about it. Uh, two houses are the homies. Um, continue to keep your eyes peeled. Listen to, uh, listen to new music. Um, don't be one of those people who fucking complains about how there's not any new music, because there is good new music happening. And uh, I really appreciate you sitting with us. Thank you. Thanks. We'll see you next time, y'all.